Grammar Girl here. Monday is March 4th, National Grammar Day. Of course, every day is Grammar Day as far as I'm concerned, but it's nice to have a nationally recognized day when grammar enthusiasts can be as grammar geeky as they want. For my international listeners, you have my permission to consider today International Grammar Day and share interesting facts about the grammars of any language you know. In recognition of such a grammaricious occasion, today's topic is one that the late journalist and grammarian James Kilpatrick covered in an annual column, the placement of the word only. For years, Kilpatrick would devote a column in January to the placement of the adverb only, illustrating his point with a sentence like, John hit Peter in the nose. He would draw his readers' attention to the differences in meaning between these four versions of the sentence. 1. Only John hit Peter in the nose. 2. John hit only Peter in the nose. 3. John hit Peter only in the nose. And 4. John only hit Peter in the nose. His point was that you need to put the adverb only as close as possible to the word it modifies. The sentence, only John hit Peter in the nose, means that John hit Peter in the nose and no one else did. The sentence, John hit only Peter in the nose, means that John hit Peter in the nose and didn't do that to anybody else. The sentence, John hit Peter only in the nose, means that John hit Peter in the nose, not in or on any other part of his body. And that brings us to the last sentence. John only hit Peter in the nose. In this case, the advice about putting only as close as possible to the word it modifies might not be enough to make your meaning clear. John only hit Peter in the nose can have at least two meanings. It could mean that John hit Peter in the nose and didn't do anything else. He didn't trip him, call him names, or put a kick me sign on his back. On the other hand, if I say John only hit Peter in the nose, I mean that John hit Peter in the nose and didn't do anything else to Peter's nose. He didn't pinch it, kick it, or kiss it. So what's going on? Where is this meaning difference coming from? The confusion comes from the assumption that the word only always modifies just a word. In fact, it can also modify entire phrases. If I say John only hit Peter in the nose without stressing any particular word in the verb phrase hit Peter in the nose, then only can modify that entire phrase. In that case, we mean that hitting Peter in the nose is the only thing John did. No tripping, calling names, or for that matter, riding a bicycle or listening to a podcast. If I say John only hit Peter in the nose then only is modifying just the verb hit. That is, of all the things John could have done to Peter's nose, hitting is what he did. The stress tells us which specific word in the verb phrase only is modifying. If we recognize that stress can play an essential part in determining what only means, that raises some interesting possibilities. We could just put the only before hit Peter in the nose, and use stress to make all the meanings clear. That is, we could say, John only hit Peter in the nose, to mean that he hit Peter and no one else. We could say, John only hit Peter in the nose, to mean that he hit Peter's nose and no other part of his body. 
The trouble is, stressing a word works better in spoken English than in written English. In written English, it's still better to put only as close to the word or phrase that it modifies. And just recognize that even doing that won't always eliminate ambiguity. You still need to ask yourself if the sentence could be misunderstood and find some other way to make it clear if necessary. Stress even plays a role in one of the earlier versions of the John Hit Peter sentence. In the John Hit Peter only in the no sentence, the only is reaching inside the prepositional phrase in the nose to modify just the word nose. The reason we might write only in the nose instead of in only the nose is because the context makes it clear that nose is the relevant word. But if for some reason we had to distinguish between John hitting Peter in the nose, above the nose, below the nose, or around the nose, then we'd have to stress the word in to show that it was the relevant word, not nose. John hit Peter only in the nose. Now that we've seen examples of only reaching inside verb phrases and prepositional phrases to modify the relevant word, here's an example with a noun phrase. I was at the barber shop one day getting my hair cut by Lisa, and Lisa was joking around with the other barbers, Ralph, Greg, and Danny, about why their fellow barber Howard wasn't in that day. And Danny said, only the manly man came in today. But wait, Lisa isn't a manly man. She isn't even a man. So how could Danny's wise guy remark pack any punch with such an obvious mistake? The answer is that only wasn't modifying the entire noun phrase, the manly man. It was reaching inside that noun phrase to modify just the adjective manly. In this example, there's not even a possibility of putting only next to the word it modifies. If Danny had said, the only manly man came in, that would still allow the possibility that the unmanly men had come in too, which is exactly what he was trying to rule out. How did Danny make sure the only was modifying just manly? By putting the stress on the word manly. To sum up, you should definitely try in written English to put only as close as possible to the word or phrase it modifies. However, be aware that doing this won't eliminate every possible ambiguity. You have to rely on context, and if the context doesn't make things clear enough, you may still need to rephrase to clarify. Conversely, don't insist at all costs on precise placement of the word only. If the context makes your meaning clear, then let the rhythm of the sentence tell you where to put that word only. This podcast was written by Neil Whitman, who blogs about linguistics at literalminded.wordpress.com and is a regular columnist for the online resource Visual Thesaurus. I'm Mignon Fogarty. That's all. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life. 
which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.